kick to. Give me the words and I'll do it. I got to spend the whole time thinking about how I'm going to sign off. Uh, yeah. That's, that's my that's big good. moment. That's good, yeah. That's my you, big yeah. moment, man. It's important. Okay. We got to throw some, uh, um, what's that singer that, that's in this movie? Twice singer uh, Eddie, uh, Richie Havens, right? Oh, right, Havens? right. Yes, over the end at least. What is that? The was there another too? one? Okay, yeah. right. is he the doctor guy? No, no. he's just Richie musician oh. on the soundtrack, not visually present oh, okay. in yeah. the film. Yeah. That's the only non-diegetic we'll talk about. I here. think you're right. Um, I was okay. confused too. Okay, we can talk. Look about at that. Future. You've got a barrier now. Yeah, this is. I guess. <laughs> You're trying to keep me away from the microphone. I am. Whatever you did, it didn't come so across to, that badly in the final mix. No, when, I, when I listened to it, yeah, it was the the popping. If that doesn't magic. work, if that doesn't work, get some of that electrical fence you were talking about. <laughs> like, Shock me well, it's not even that. I just need to guard his breath from the mic. It's the breath that does it. It's the, <sighs> the yeah, you know. But the way I don't know, Joe has this. I I don't know how you do it. As loud as you do, I've never heard that before. And it's I, years of, of, of <laughs> it's all that radio, it's, it's yeah. all that talk radio, man. Yeah, AM radio, do that awesome. to you. Yeah. AM radio, I remember those. Die. I think about those days sometimes. It was fun. It was fun. All right, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity: beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am Carlos Cooper, and with me, as always, Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And Ethan Thompson. <laughs> All right. And we are going to talk about a film today of a somewhat unconventional nature. I will let David take it from here. Sure. Yeah. We, we are going to look at uh, an unconventional film, and we're going back to Netflix. Uh, we, we did an episode a few back where we looked at some new Netflix films, and they keep pumping them out. And apparently... Now I'm popping. What's up with that? Uh, apparently, they are pouring some ungodly sum into productions this year, so we can only expect this trend to continue. Um, but but the first film we're going to look at is one from a well-known, I think, seasoned director. Um, well, both are, actually. But the first one is kind of a name director, Steven Soderbergh, and his film High Flying Bird, which is unconventional for, for various reasons. You know, one being that it's it's going straight to Netflix. The other, probably most notable, is that it was produced using an iPhone as the primary uh, camera. And, and not I just believe an, only camera. Not just an iPhone. An iPhone 8. <laughs> not even an X. That's not even an iPhone 10, but an iPhone that's 8. That's right. That's right. And so it's, it's actually kind of a continuation of an experiment he did with the film before it. But we'll get into that in a moment because... I would be so remiss if I didn't get some liquid into our glasses here before we even get started. So to go with the iPhone nature of the cinematography here, I got a new stout. This is from a brewery called Eight Wired. Uh, they're out of New Zealand. And this is something they call iStout. Hmm. And it is iStout Affogato Imperial Stout. It is brewed with lactose, coffee, and vanilla. So I'm going to go ahead and crack this 10%. Alcohol by volume. Ooh, little head I'm there. trying. I'm shooting video with my iPhone 8 right now since I've got one. I don't know. <laughs> it's not future documentary. You don't have the add-ons. It, I can tell already. It's not as compelling as this movie, really. But maybe. I don't know. It could be. I mean, actors are, are good looking. <laughs> In the movie, right? Not the podcast. No, I'm at yeah. the podcast. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So as I'm pouring this. It looks like an imperial stout, right? Very dark. Yeah. Um, and I'm smelling that coffee already. How, how about you guys? 
Coffee and toffee. So what is the eye uh, tie-in? How did they justify that is eye a stout? Great question, and that's some something that somebody who would do research on this would know. <laughs> no, I'm going to bet uh, that it's because it's an imperial stout. They got the eye from the imperial. I think you're right. Okay, I probably. think Joe's probably right. Yeah. Um, so eye stout, yeah, Russian imperial stout. It's brimming with roasted coffee. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking on their website right you now. You have like some of Steve Jobs' ashes in there. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> yeah, there's a little. Um... The eye might labor coming through. <laughs> Their description only references it in terms of the eye may be in lowercase, but beware, this is a capital beer, brimming with luscious roasted coffee and chocolate malt flavors. Eye stout is balanced by a brisk bitterness and a bold hoppy freshness. As with all our beers, this beer is a very modern interpretation of this classic style. So I think it's, yeah, probably playing off the Imperial and the idea that this is a modern interpretation uh-huh. of it. So the lowercase i before it, kind of going with the iPhone. I think the they're in New Zealand. The Apple won't come after them there. I bet they do anyway. Probably. They're, they're probably going to get sued. <laughs> they already point. have yeah. iced out, trademarked probably. Yeah. So, um, so out of the can, and and I'll just make mention. You know, the reason why I was able to get this New Zealand beer um, through, which this is the one of the first beers I've I've gotten through this sort of service. Yeah. That, that you can. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bleep the name out because they're not paying us. Okay. Um, okay. But there's right. there's an app. You're gonna you can, bleep Netflix too. Uh, an Apple. <laughs> <laughs> we got to stop no, mentioning companies, corporations. That, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, from now on, it'll be a streaming service. Okay. <laughs> uh, but there is there is an app that you can uh, download where you can get uh, a beer that you normally couldn't get shipped to your house for right. a, uh, a low flat rate. Yeah. So uh, I've already said a little bit about this film in terms of how it was made, you know, what, what tool was sort of used and, and, and how it was put together. But um, to give a brief synopsis, this is a film set in the world of professional sports, in, in particular professional basketball. Can I read the IMDb description of it just so if we can you talk about like, how sure. uh, it doesn't say anything about what actually happens in this film, I, I don't think. It's, okay. uh, a sports agent pitches a rookie basketball client on an intriguing and controversial business opportunity during a lockout. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's a good way to put it, mm-hmm. but uh, I, what what fuck happened in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> See, What's I was the point hoping, of this movie. Now, I was hoping that you, as a because you're like kind of our resident basketball fan, right? Yeah. I think when we, on our Uncle Drew episode, Uncle you, Drew. you kind of established that. Yeah, I I I was the Space Jam episode. That, that's right. That's how you are due to some technical <laughs> difficulties. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping that you now. I can talk about it from what I what I got out of it, but I think I was very lost on a lot of the details of the sports kind of business aspect of what was going on. Yeah, like, it is set during a lockout. It right? is, which which yeah. I've which we've witnessed not that long was it ago, about like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. There was one. Yeah. It was, I mean, it wasn't didn't last six months, but right. it it happened. Uh, so yeah. it's something that has in kind of recent memory. Um, but I'm you know as the as also the not just the resident basketball fan of this podcast, but the resident Marxist as well. I've never been so <laughs> conflicted about the, uh, the plot line of a film because oh. I, 
we, we live in this culture, and here's a little inside basketball for you, but where now the players are starting to make demands about where they want to play and, like, you know, trying to form these, like, super teams to win championships and blah, 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 and they're all acting like babies all the time. And I'm not for, <laughs> and I'm not for that business. I'm not for, like, a player leaking to the press. I'm, I demand to be moved from the team that I'm currently in a contract with, which is what's happening now. Oh, interesting. But I, I think you should play where you play, and you should play the best that you can play wherever that is, you know? And now it's like, you know, players will kind of start slacking just because they're like, I don't want to be here anyway. I want to go somewhere else. And this is all about putting the power back in the players' hands, which I agree they should be financially compensated, the, like, in a fair and just way. But I don't know. I, the whole time I was just very conflicted about what I wanted to happen in this movie, and I also thought it was not a good movie. Well, I, I, I like the movie, I have to say, even though I wasn't 100% sure I knew exactly what was happening all the time, and I think in terms of its storytelling, it wasn't like it had problems. Mm-hmm. with Huge problems. You think you know what's happening, but you don't know what's happening, and I'm not... For whatever reason, I got into it really quickly. I just liked the fast-paced nature of it mm-hmm. and trying to keep up with it, and I liked the characters. Did you like the... Uh, I disagree. I want to get back to what you're saying. Did you like the dialogue? Yes. I liked the writing of that first 30 minutes yeah. a lot. It was keeping me engaged, and and there was not a lot... What am I... One of the things that's going to give you a negative points on when I'm coming to review a movie is telegraphing information. Right. And it right. sounds like all of us might have been, with the exception of basketball, you know, Uncle Drew aficionado, Carlos, <laughs> uh, uh, that just lends itself to them not telling you things, choosing not to use words as opposed to using words. I yeah. like the way the dialogue was written. I agree with you, but I felt like this movie was three hours long. Huh. And it was only, and it was only ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually I disagree with the fast. I it, I don't disagree because it's obviously subjective. But Ethan found it fast paced. I found it to be crawling. In well, pace. I do think I think the dialogue is fast paced, like uh, almost objectively, right? I mean, I think if you were to t- the, uh, what's his name, Andre Holland. I mean, I think he's delivering that dialogue like bam, ba, bam, ba, bam, bam, bam. You know, he came across, and that felt very convincing to me in that he's this sort of very. Um, you know, tapped in agent who kind of understands and he's the one who's kind of playing this game that's making everything kind of fall in his client's favor, perhaps. Um, so so that I was drawn into. I think where I, where I ended up feeling it slowed down for me was when it started getting into the minutia of it through that dialogue that I, I would kind of lose it and I wasn't able to follow the dialogue in the way I wanted to. And then I would start looking at the visuals more and thinking about, okay, this was shot on an iPhone? Okay. <laughs> you know, you like, couldn't tell? No, I could. I could. Okay, because it looked like crap. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I yeah, don't think it looked like the, crap. The movie's lit like shit the entire time. Well, he does very little to light it. It's mostly just uh, available lighting that they're using in, yeah. in most of the scenes. You think bad it looked bad, though? You think it looked bad? It did look bad. It I was, thought... Yeah. Painful to look at, I found. Wow. Oh, I didn't find it yeah. painful at all, but I knew I wasn't looking at some a really... You know, yeah, I didn't I didn't find it painful, but it camera. did get distracting to me. And I did... I had forgotten that it was on the iPhone. So the first time when I saw him, there's a shot, like a tracking shot with a guy, with him walking down the street. Yeah. And there's like some weird stuff going on because he's walking in front of these steel gates and just the iPhone can't handle the texture or something. And then I'm oh, wait, this is an iPhone. And then there was another scene in a, um, in a bar... When there was like a shot with a close up of the glasses right in front of him, yeah. yeah, and I was I was liking it. However, in that scene, I started to notice how things would go in and out of focus, yeah, and that did get a little distracting um, to me. I didn't I didn't hate it to the extent you did, but I did find it sometimes distracting because I felt like there are a lot of shots like 
unnecessary odd angles. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, it, it's an iPhone. We can put it up high like this. Yeah. And it give you this canon well, angle. I kind of so see, I, I, I almost and felt I, nauseated. And I can see where you would feel like that was stunting or whatever, I guess. Or like, but I actually kind of liked it. It had a refreshing yeah. kind of look to it. And a, a lot of those dialogue scenes, like I say, where I was getting lost when I was trying to follow what was going on. I could at least kind of appreciate, oh, this is interesting. Okay, yeah, well, this is, yeah. you don't normally see this kind of angle in, in, a, in a, a dialogue sequence like this. So, I don't know. I, th- I thought it brought some novelty to the visual aspects of it. I didn't think it looked like garbage either. I thought it looked surprisingly good for being shot on an iPhone. But to the extent that I think if I had gone in and nobody had said, oh, this is an iPhone movie, and I hadn't really thought about it too much, wouldn't I probably, hold I think I could have watched it and not known, and, and it wouldn't have taken me out of it. Uh, and I'm somebody who does pay attention to visuals yeah, for to a, some a extent. For a living, almost. For, yeah, for an extent, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, okay, so first of all, this has been done before. If it were in the name of some, like, technological kind of advancement or something, making some kind of statement about shooting something on an iPhone, I'd be like, okay, fine. Childish Gambino did it like five years ago. We've seen stuff like that before. It's over. Like, we're done with the iPhone thing. There's a reason for a Soderbergh-level director to do that. No, there's not. Hold on. It would be to tell a story that he had trouble getting financing for otherwise. Is this a story worth the masturbatory exercise of... One of America's finest directors doing this grand experiment. A, he does not have a hard time getting financing. It's not a well, big movie. He had a hard time, and this is w- one of the things that, um, and I read this. Shot I, this for like $5 million or something. But, um, you know, uh, Moneyball, right, was supposed to be his film. He was going to make Moneyball, and he got removed from the project because he wanted to do it a certain way that the backers were not happy with, They, it, which was going to be much more dialogue-driven and much more about the minutia of professional sports than Moneyball. So it was going to be this. Yeah. Which I guess it's this. good that they didn't give him that money because <laughs> Moneyball did well, and this film I don't think will. Right, but, but I'm just saying, so, th- so that's the rationale, right? I think you I, have a director like him who wanted to do a certain kind of project that he was blocked from doing. He couldn't get the money. The the money people wouldn't let him do it that way. So this allowed him to do a project like that. Now, again, to, if you think it's a terrible outcome, then that doesn't mean it was a good thing. But yeah. I think to Joe's point, this allowed him to do it that way, yeah. even though... Well, I'm just buy, just, I'm, buy a 5D. Buy a Canon 5D. If you don't have right. a multi-million dollar budget, that's not an expensive well, camera. No, it, There's no way his budget but was not, so low that not he only, had to shoot uh, on it. It's not it's only the cheapness. It is. Just like fucking Mother was with Darren Aronofsky. I mean, hmm. some of these directors that get into this kind of realm of where people start to view them as auteurs and like, right. oh, they're kind of quirky and weird. Then they're just like, okay, let me do whatever. Let me but do something mind, stupid. I don't that, mind quirky and weird and I don't mind but this Soderbergh or the Coen brothers or anybody making a movie on iPhone, but at the end of the day, the project has to have a bow on top because this is what we intended on delivering. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was... You, you, oh, yeah. you, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, like, even in the Netflix universe, I mean, you're gonna, if you're gonna just stumble and bumble around Netflix to find some entertainment, you're gonna find low budget pictures. You're gonna yeah, find... Yeah, which I'm you, here you, for. Right. There's, I don't have a problem with it. So Steven Soderbergh wants to make one? This better be really, really interesting. At the end of the day, I don't think the story justified the entire exercise it doesn't it doesn't do enough it doesn't do, it doesn't can i talk enough. a little i just want to no i talk no. a little <laughs> bit more about it. what the story is because i i have conflicted feelings about it because you know you, you read the summary there and said well that's not really what it is about and it, it kind of is and it kind of isn't the thing for me that 
it, it got it started to get interesting. What I liked about it was the idea. He says there's a game on top of the game. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. There's the game of basketball, and then there's the NBA, the owners, and everything sure, else on right. top of that sure. game. And then he comes up with this this plan, which is basically these guys could just have they can just ha- do it themselves. do it themselves and shoot it themselves. And then it turns out, well, that was all just a game to keep the game the way it is, sort of, right? But to keep people paid, yeah. And so we'll just go back to where we were before, maybe. But what I wanted to say was what got interesting about it to me was that that's where I saw the connection to what Soderbergh was doing. It's a game on top of the game. Yeah. Right? Like yes. Yes. Wanting yes. to make the movies that you want to make right. versus making them through the system where you have to do all these things. And you've got to justify the kind of movie it is because you're going to spend twice as much on marketing the film right. versus doing it at Netflix where none of that's going to happen. You don't even have to think about that. So that I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, th- there was definitely a clear, you know, analogy there, I thought, between the I kind agree. of movie he was making. And I think, you know, even within the film itself, right, what are the disruption points that there, that, that agent, the the uh, Andre Holland character, is able to, to um, sort of exploit is the camera phone being used to shoot yeah. that one-on-one game and that that kind of becomes this point of controversy or, or helps publicize the fact that, oh, players still want to play. They'll play on any court if they're given the chance. The NBA is the one that's sort of controlling them in a way that isn't allowing them just to do the thing that they want to do. And then on top of that, being able to start having talks with Netflix. Right? Yeah. Or Hulu. Uh, or Hulu. <laughs> that was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. So I don't know. I, I like you. I mean, I kind of liked the basic concept. Again, I got lost in some of the minutia of what was what they were describing, but the broad stroke of it, the idea that, hey, here's this system that's in place that seems impenetrable or like yeah. it's it's a closed system that nobody's ever going to be able to break. Well, what about these things that actually do show maybe some cracks there could those be exploited? Could somebody do that? I thought that was kind of an interesting experiment, and I do think that's what he's doing here with this iPhone stuff and his partnership with Netflix. Can I ask a question about what happens in the film to get your uh, perspective? That last meeting that he takes, any idea who that guy is or what that's supposed to mean? Zachary Quinto. No, no, no. The last, very last, no. Oh, oh, oh the guy who he's walking uh, into the that's, boardroom That's with? the guy that wrote The Black Athlete's Revolt, the oh. book that Zazie Beetz is reading okay. at the end. Yeah. That's him. So okay. he has organized this whole, and this is a part of the like film I didn't like. There are, there are things in the film I liked. Okay. This is one of those things, but he's meeting with that guy, and then you see Zazie Beetz open up Eric Scott's right. Bible package this, or whatever, yeah. and she starts looking through it, and it's that dude that he's meeting with, and he has proven to not just himself but to others that... The black athlete can revolt and can, you yeah. know, it, for lack of a better word, seize the means of production, you know, take back some of the power, not just, you know, uh, socially, but financially as well. So he's started that. And now that's the his career trajectory at the end of the film. I wish they would have just done a little bit more of that. Right. Well, that well, well, well so that's what I'm saying. There, there, yeah. there are some things in this movie that really, really work, and one of them is that I love the Lord and all His black people. All the performances, all the characters, I like, thought were great. Like that, that little detail uh, that of, of Spence and that permeates into everybody else. Like that is a a legit like kind of stinging commentary on the NBA and the way that the power structure therein is. set up and who it's set up to benefit like those are the interesting parts of the film okay so if you're going to make a movie like this and you're going to hype up this one-on-one game for so long just like glass hyped up the skyscraper thing and then you're not actually going to do it you need something equally as compelling to replace it and this movie didn't give us that the way glass gave us the fight at the end and especially because i mean i was ready to watch eric scott light this boy up (laughs) i hate it you're right there's a promise it doesn't deliver and it doesn't deliver and it and it you know it makes you 
feel a certain mm. way that doesn't pay off emotionally. And not that I, you know, I don't think every film has to satisfy your wants and needs because some films need to challenge you. I just don't think this film challenged me and it also didn't satisfy the emotional fulfillment that it promised me, you know? And those are my big things. Also terrible lighting. <laughs> and my, you know, and I enjoy the how it's made. I mean, I always enjoy how it's made stories. So yeah. the idea that we're getting some kind of glimpse, be it how accurate it is or not, into the back room of yeah. one of the most money-making bits of entertainment that America has to offer. The, the most culture-driving. Certainly. For yeah. sure. I Without mean, as far as pop culture. Okay, now, so I wanted to talk about one thing, is we all watch it on our Netflix boxes of choice mm-hmm. in your if you're watching Netflix, I think all four of us do, you see, like Roma. When Roma came out, they they changed the backdrop of Netflix for the one and only oh, yeah. time that I remember into Roma. So they've got ways to market the film. This film wasn't marketed to me at my house the way that Buster Scruggs was, the way that mm-hmm. Roma was, the way that Bird Box certainly, of course, was. Yeah. Uh, did y'all have the same experience? I, wonder, I, I did. I had to look it up. It didn't Me too. Pop, and I, then when you looked it, it up, like Carlos suggestions found, it, it, there's nothing being written about this movie, really. There, there are. There's but some it, reviewers but reading. It's mostly, it's mostly film blogs right. and film zines that are doing stuff on you know like the, the fact Wikipedia that page. Is, the IMDb page is not being filled in the way that I see new films, even the ones that we right. don't like very much. Are being the game on top in. of the game trying to quash uh, it. Is that what it is? Well, it's he's trying well, to well, grassroots. No, I, I think that's partly because, okay, is this a film that's going to appeal? Because it really should, in some sense, appeal to professional sports fans. And I don't think it probably does because it doesn't. Exactly what Carlos you was saying. You could put a trailer together, though, that would. Perhaps, but but there's no basketball in a film about basketball. the director basketball. of Ocean's 13, to Ocean's, you know, Ocean's yeah, 11. Yeah, no, I mean, you could. Yeah. But, but I'm saying, like, there's nothing there for the professional sports fan visually or, you know, yeah. perhaps narratively, but not visually, that's going to compel them. Yeah. There's From the film aficionado standpoint, I think there are some things, but it's a tougher sell because the cross, you know, sort of the, the cross-section there between those who love Sports, those who love films and geek out about filmmaking, I think that's a pretty slim sort of... Okay, but we've all done that thing where we Google something and then that item that we Google is on our Facebook feed in an ad. We've all right. done that. So and you have why that, doesn't you say Netflix... it out loud in conversation and there it is. Right. That's, yeah. real. Why, <laughs> that's a real thing. Why doesn't Netflix know that I'm going to probably watch a Soderbergh mm-hmm. film and then spoon feed me that thing? They might have sent you an email. And this and whole Netflix movie it. thing, and I you, you can tell it. my parts of the conversations we do this as, this, as this evolves in front of us, Netflix being... A, a distributor of films that you that the four of us would producer. probably want to watch. Yeah, you know, well, I think by producer. Well, yeah. no, never mind. No, it, get, it got it gets lost in the shuffle. Distributor not trying. It's like yeah. I, I was thinking about this on the way over here. Like, you know, what is the point? What does this mean for the future? I can see why Soderbergh would want to make a movie like this, and it's an it's a thing where it doesn't just this would never get a theatrical. No, release. it wouldn't. Right. And, I, and I was thinking, okay, it definitely would not get a the, theatrical release. And I then I thought. That. But would I go and watch it I agree at the with theater? The and I probably wouldn't go to see it in the theater either. And I like the film. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, but it's nothing there that would have got gotten me motivated. Soderbergh's name wouldn't get you. No, there. I don't okay. think so. I mean, if, if it had such critical response, and right. I'm one of that minority of people that's right. like, if there is a big critical response, I'll do it. Yeah. But it is like this smaller kind of film that maybe this is the kind of thing that you can expect that that'll be there. However, it's totally lost. I would never. I would not have seen this if. You guys, if we hadn't been talking about it, yeah. it was, was very cool really good to see it. Bill Duke too. I yeah. mean, yeah. and you know, just after having just seen him in, in uh, Mandy. Mandy a few months ago, right. see him pop up in this in a very different kind of role. 
Um, but totally one that he owns. I mean, I, 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 th- those scenes with him, I think, were some of the best scenes in the film. Um, he had a way of cutting through a lot of the jargon and just boiling it oh, down yeah. to some simple kind of, uh, you know. Um, and he's also just like in control of that scene right. every time. Yeah. Like, that's the guy you're looking right. at. This and, is my house. I love that scene. And yeah. uh, what, what in is her the, office. Yes, right. <laughs> Am I it's here? Like, well, I'm in my office. And he's like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> it was very good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that we're kind of split on this one. Um, it, you, you know, I think for me, it just, it, it comes down to, uh, was this satisfying for me to watch on, on a, at least a few levels? And it was, I mean, I think there were a few that it didn't totally work on, but what I love, what I absolutely love about Steven Soderbergh is this guy is, he talk about the guy who does one for them, one for, I mean, he made his career out of finding a way to please Hollywood enough that he could then get the money to bankroll these things that he wants to do. And believe me, I've seen some of them and not enjoyed them that much. But even when I don't enjoy them that much, I at least appreciate that he is trying to do things that are outside the norm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, whether this one is totally successful for for a given viewer, that's kind of up to them. It is actually getting a fairly good critical response, I think, when I looked at... uh, you know, uh, I'd be interested to hear what people thought. This is one where I really, I'm not sure whether, you know, students would like this or not. I see I'm in, and coming here, I'm actually, I guess I'm a little bit shocked at how much Carlos disliked it. And that probably, I think indicates to me that the audience that I thought might be there for it with like (laughs) the really geeked out professional sports fans who would dig the whole idea of this kind of, you know, literally inside well in this case inside basketball not inside baseball but this kind of like going behind the scenes deep into the recesses of how the business of sports actually works it didn't land with him so i mean you know did not in any way well how did this beer land with you yeah it did did land with me (laughs) i mean i i think well i won't i won't speak first here because i'm the one who brought it but what, what did you think joe I think that I would like for you to explain to me what brewed with lactose does to beer and taste. Well, so lactose is milk sugar, mm-hmm. okay? So it should bring a sweetness mm-hmm. to an extent, mm-hmm. although a lot of it should get fermented, mm-hmm. so it's not like it should be super sweet. It should also bring a bit more of a like a, a body, heavier mouthfeel kind of thing going on. So like a milk stout is going to have a richer kind of thicker texture these milkshake ipas that people are adding lactose to mm-hmm. uh in the ipas they're supposed to have that thicker body mm-hmm. to them so that that is a i think the primary thing smoother a little bit sweeter a little bit thicker i always like it when you bring a little bit of knowledge to the show <laughs> we like them because we know what coffee and vanilla is but this is also brewed with lactose they want you to see it right, right. there on the can right it's hot right now what'd you think carlos good stout yeah, I mean, I, I definitely Quality. the the coffee's there, and it's a good coffee flavor. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm imagining it's probably New Zealand coffee. I know they can grow it down there. Um, I yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with this. I noticed it, this is uh, imported. This is from California, though, so you can get this in the state side, right? So to speak, right? No, they definitely. I mean, they distribute to the states, 
But yeah. you can't get that here on store shelves in yeah. Texas. But maybe yeah. where our listeners are. Also. I think, yeah. right. It's got yeah. a real strong coffee and a real, like I said, I said it when I smelled it, toffee. It's got a real sweet, a yeah. little, almost cloying, not that bad, but uh, I'd drink this again. Well, that's it. I think I think it has enough bitterness in there, too, right. to help yeah. balance it. So, Without yeah, it, it doesn't come across as just a big sweet bomb. Yeah. There, there's something kind of balanced. So. Hey, good bring. Good bring. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for, for uh, sipping on that while we were talking about this film, which uh, we had some mixed feelings and about. And thank you, Beer. Distribution distribution service. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to sponsor us if yeah. you'd like. So I think we'll take a little break here and sort of uh, reset ourselves as we go in to talk about another recent Netflix release. Uh, in this case, the film Velvet Buzzsaw. We're going to be talking about another new Netflix release, in this case, Velvet Buzzsaw. But before we get into that, we're going to crack open another beer. This is Mosaic Showers. It is a beer from Noble Ale Works. They're out of Anaheim, California. And as, as you might guess from the name, if you know hops, it is a Mosaic Hop IPA. Although, I believe it's actually a double IPA. Yes, double IPA. So important. So it must be showered with mosaic hops. There must be lots and lots and lots. Well, that's right. It's uh, it's hopped with them in a in an extreme way as you would with a double IPA. So let's get this into glasses. Extremely hoppy yeah. nose. Interesting smell. Definitely not going oh, yeah. for the haze, right? This no. is a very, no, it's very clear, clear beer. It's yeah. clear. Yeah. yeah, I can see David's face through my glass. <laughs> ah! <laughs> a little bit of a green tinge. I don't think that's Whew. his natural complexion. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. The nose on that is kind of more yeah, that's pretty cat piss than I was. <laughs> uh, it's dank. I was Holy going skunky. M- wow. I mean, mosaic can bring that, but I don't know that I've ever had a mosaic hopped uh, beer that's gone that far. Wow. That's a pork. Well, it's. Because this is a hundred percent mosaic. There's nothing, no other hop. Well, that's there. true, but but community mosaic is a hundred percent mosaic. Well, let's, but let's, is let's it, is it dry? Is on, it dry hop with right, it? All right. Let's cliffhanger this thing. Okay, we'll we'll get. By the way, that's a good question. Uh, is it dry hopped? It must I don't be. Know. I think it is. It's got to be. We'll look into it, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll Anyhow, sip on we'll it. We'll talk about the taste and flavor. But but I'll tell you the nose on it's knocking me out. Okay. All right, so uh, so this film, Velvet Buzzsaw, mm-hmm. um, also recently appeared on Netflix mm-hmm. um, with more fanfare than significantly lots more, more. Yeah. a bit more, yeah, right. I mean, I became I aware of it bird. through you, Joe, but mm-hmm. but you must have uh, had it pushed towards you by something. Well, it was pushed toward me. Oh, it was a pushed toward me on Netflix. No, that was I got the I got this film from you know my readings that I do that okay. uh, Gilroy's next movie be coming out. 
Okay, you and so Gilroy is somebody who you are familiar with. Uh, you, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I could go to it now or later. Night, okay. Nightcrawler is a fantastic okay. movie that I loved very much, which when it came was prior, just prior to this one. Correct. Yeah, uh, no, there was there was one in between. Right. Okay, but I came across it because I saw I started seeing all these articles on my various social media feeds. That's it. Uh, director of Nightcrawler reunites with Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal right. for high art horror or something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, so, that sentence. I'm going to watch it the night it comes out. Yeah, I'm in. Everything about that sentence makes me happy. Yeah. So, so just to give a little uh, insight to those who haven't seen the film yet, this is a thriller of sorts. It's set in the world of art. Um, like, but like art, art. Like, yeah, hardcore, million, the multi-million art dollar pieces. High art in the art market especially. Yes, yeah. absolutely. High contemporary art market. Um, Manhattan, heart of the scene. Yeah, uh, aren't they out in LA? Is that that's, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was. I mean, in, I it, it starts in Miami because the, they're well, at Art Basel. Art Basel, but it's yeah. I think most they're of it takes L. place around LA. And you're right, it is LA because <laughs> he's got uh, what's his name has that fancy. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm trying to say. Ah, uh, Malkovich. He has a fancy yes. studio. Yeah, right yeah. in the warehouse or whatever it is. So I mean, I, I won't go into it too much more than that, but just to say, it's no, it's, please do. Well, it's just it's a horror slash thriller set in the art world. Yes, uh, that uh, has also heavy, heavy satire towards the uh, art yeah. world. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of our leading character to a certain extent, at least in the is, very beginning. But he's an art critic, right? And he can make he's or the break. Art critic. Yeah, he's the art critic. Right. He'll make or break your exhibit. Like one of the first pieces he sees in the film, he writes a bad review of, and it's not sold. And yeah. that comes up a little later that that was about to be sold for like what like five million or something they said and right in, yeah and then in, the guy's the like killing himself yeah yeah because he's like yeah it's just sitting in storage now because of your review about it so he's like the dude that you need to get through or right. get the cosine in order to be successful mm-hmm. in right. the I, art world. I'm just kind of dying. Can we get hot takes? Like I just before we delve into specifics, what did how did you guys feel about this? Good about the movie. beer. Really <laughs> good movie. I, I I really liked the movie. Yeah, Jeez. it was a lot of fun. Wow, I was and yeah, I've I've David didn't say anything to me, but we were at Lorelai yesterday, and I told him that I was going to leave there to go watch Velvet Buzz on. He was like, "Ooh, oh, oh I, I shouldn't say." He like reacted mm-hmm. when I said that. That, that was t- kind of telegraphing how he felt about it, and then caught himself. Uh, I saw my friend Chris Olvetta this morning, and he, I said I watched Velvet Buzz all last night, and he was like, "Ooh." Uh, and like kind of wincing at it, and yeah. like every like everyone I know that's seen it is like, oh, this is. That's what I. Was, that's why great. I asked because I feel like you have to have a reaction, Joe. What, what yeah. kind of reaction? good movie? Shit. See, that's there. You go. It's like you have. I think you have to have a strong reaction to this. Yeah, I. I'm, no, it's I'm not a, shit. There's it was, it was a lot of great things in it, especially but visually. Just, but the plot and the story, <laughs> and if you want to try talk about this, is a stupid horror movie. Yeah. I, that's why I, I loved it, man. Yeah, that's why I, I loved it. Great. It's stupid. I just couldn't. I just could not get into the the whole like mashing satire with supernatural horror. It just like. It didn't work for me Loved because <laughs> the the goofiness, the goofiness of the first whatever twenty minutes to thirty minutes of it, w- that's kind of setting up the whole you know set of characters and the setting of the art world and all that. I just you know it 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 worked well enough as a sort of sort of broad satire of that. But then once it got into trying, like I didn't give a shit about any of the characters, and like I don't oh, care no, if they all die; they can all go no, die. Yeah, it's I fine. No, right. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. It just, I mean, by the end, you hate them all. Yeah, but which I think you're supposed point, to. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's right. the idea behind it. I mean, 
I just love. Although the whole... wait, but we're supposed to love Malkovich because he's on the beach twirling. Uh, no, at the he's, end. he's no. the only survivor because well, he's figured out how to make the art disappear. And and, and I and I also think <laughs> I, Dave's disgusted. <laughs> I also think the end part is to be like, wait, you guys take yourselves too seriously. Like you're not, at the end of the day, you're not shit unless like people say that you're worth something, right? Because he's just there like twiddling yeah. his thumbs on the fucking beach. Or well, he's, he's, he's it's like the it's like the, the ultimate sand. condemnation that the satire has been like mm-hmm. hinting at the entire time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't care that I didn't like any of them. I thought it was visually compelling. Nah, it reminded you don't, me you don't quite like a, anybody in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, mean, I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of the book House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. I don't know if any of you guys have read that. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Yeah. Um, we well, so 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 that book is told in like a lot of really kind of uh, unconventional uh, prose and ways, and there's multiple layers, or whatever. But basically, the crux of it is there's this. Um, tape that's documentary tape that's found about this guy who lives in this house that's getting bigger on the inside but not on the outside and finds that there's this like never ending like labyrinth of different rooms some like unfathomably large and some super small it's pitch black yada 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 all this stuff the guy that finds the documentary is trying to transcribe bits of it and write a book about it loses his mind the guy that finds that book then also like black mirror then also goes crazy and ends up killing himself and that's how the guy who's telling us the story finds the book because the guy lived in his building and so it reminds me a lot of that because Hmm. this idea of this house that gets bigger on the inside but not on the outside Mm -hmm. drives everybody that comes into contact with it absolutely mad and ends basically ends them at a certain point as a result and the the d's art is very similar to that in this story so I don't know if maybe I was like more primed for hmm. the kind of content of the film because of that. Yeah. Like it, there was precedent for it for me going into it, something familiar about it that didn't mm-hmm. like throw me that much as maybe it does some people. But I thought the D's art was, it was good to look at. Yeah. Okay. It was interesting, like just artistically. Mm-hmm. And then the way that it develops and the layers of that, that are, revealed as the characters themselves kind of figure out what's going on. I also found compelling. And I will say as my last little thought on it in this kind of rant or whatever, uh, most of the movie, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I was like, I looked at Kylie like an hour and 10 or 15 minutes in. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what this is about yet. Like, what I loved about it, what you're saying about all the different characters finding all this and all these different layers. I love the economy of this. I feel like right now, there are so many shows that I watch that I try to keep up with it. I just like I don't have enough time. They take up so much space in my life. Because they're telling a broad and story. And they just keep going and going. And I was watching this film, and I wasn't sure what it was, and then it became something else, and then the story became this, and then there's this narrative development, and then there's another narrative development. All these developments are happening. And I was like, thank God it's all just going to happen in one movie. I don't have to watch <laughs> this thing for three years. It, it could have been a 10-part It could have been. You know, I, I kept thinking about. I kept thinking about... Um, a show that I really love, Twin Peaks. Yeah. In the last season of Twin Peaks, which oh, makes no sense really either. You can try really hard and it's great or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this thing, just like, I love that there's no way I could take it seriously. I mean, the final thing that happens, I, you know, tattoos kills you because it's art. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's awesome. But all these developments are happening in such a short period of time that I just loved. I felt like it was like, Thank you. You didn't make me 
stretch this out over episode after episode after episode. I'm just getting it all in one nice dose. And it's not taking itself and, seriously. And, it's just an enjoyable, weird, wacky film. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal's hair is so silly looking. He's so good in it. Like <laughs> Jake I, Gyllenhaal did the best he could with the material he had. I thought he was great. I thought I had I have no qualms with what he was given, how he gave it back to us, like nothing. I just thought he was interesting to look at. I loved hearing him talk. I thought he was totally ridiculous. And then, I mean, yeah. the, the still that you see if you look it up on IMDb or whatever is just such a great image of him, like, taking himself so seriously looking at this piece of art, yeah, like, he's got adjusting haircut, his glasses right, and stuff. And, like, yeah. it, you know, we, we are given the view of that piece of art that he's, like, gazing and, like, right. lusting after or whatever. And just, I mean, that shot alone, I it was worth it. To like see that sequence and like, I have questions. I, I liked it a lot because it sounds like you can't see us. We're at a long table. Carlos and Ethan are on one side, and David that's true. And we are very. So like we're, we're, now we're warring. Okay, <laughs> uh, and, and a little plot synopsis. Just a briefly, uh, an artist dies. Uh, yeah. A co-tenant of the building is in this art world. Finds all of the art that's going to be thrown away. It's been requested by the deceased that it all be destroyed. That's ignored, and she, she keeps well, no, it. She steals it. She takes it, and then it's uh, it, it gets glutted out into the uh, the 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 art community, and it becomes valuable because the right people say that it's good. That's right. it. That's what I it mean, is. it becomes the okay. Art. So a guy tries to steal a piece, and then is ripped through a mirror by monkey arms because <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Because was awesome. the the painting in the reflection had monkeys in it. The monkeys come to life, kind of yeah. steal him into through a mirror with no broken glass. Now, when the cops come. Is there any evidence that there were monkeys? Are we? I mean, are we supposed to see? I don't think there. Okay, no. one girl standing in an art gallery, and the behind her because she's on her cell phone. All of the paint is running down all of the art. It creeps across the floor. It, it goes up her toe right. like uh, the raft. Uh, Stephen King, uh, I think, Creep Show too, and, uh, yep. and multicolor is then it eventually suffocates her and she dies. When the cops show up. Are they going to see the paint or the evidence of any of this? No, she's in the mural because yeah, there was no art gallery. So she just disappears. Well, no. No, so, she becomes part of the law. Yeah, no, I'm talking so, about the reality of the universe that we're living in. With that is the reality. That, no, the reality no, 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 is... Understood. But when the cops come to find her... They no, won't, they, they wouldn't. Won't they don't find, find a body, right? Well, well yeah. no, they wouldn't go to find her because what the art gallery she walks into isn't actually an art gallery. It's that mural on the brick wall that she right. was looking at. So it's all no, no, I get and it. all supernatural. And so she I think, becomes a part of that mural. The cops wouldn't. There's I no body, it. no crime. Right. So the only purpose for the paint running on the floor, since she doesn't see it, and the purpose of the monkeys is for the viewer of an imaginary film that's being filmed within the universe that we are watching. It's bullshit. The whole movie. No, the paint is getting. The art is eating her. The art eating her alive. All the art is having vengeance on the people. No, I get it. (laughs) But it's such a. It's it's such a movie. It's such a movie. It's and and as a horror movie, it's a movie. (laughs) It is stupid. This movie is stupid. This is, and it's yeah. a waste of the talent of everyone. Oh involved. man, I, I disagree. I, 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 but if David, you like stuff David that doesn't he, take itself seriously. Man, love it. I mean, I, I think this movie does take itself seriously. Oh, no. oh no. No. It, no. it does. This movie does. It does. Say, no, look, look at the satire we but were providing. But look at his hair. Look at the. Look at Jake. I know, but that that's commentary David makes on the world of art. Well, right? Yes. I mean, I I think it's hard to take any kind of satire. For 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 you to sit down and write a piece of satire, I feel like you were inherently not taking it ultra ultra seriously. Otherwise, you would give this very straightforward, non comedic condemnation of what well, you're trying okay. to come I mean, after. I guess. I mean, the satire in and of itself, I feel the definition of that form is in itself playful and funny, and 
absurd. Right. I mean, a lot of satire is pointing out absurdity in things. Um, um, a modest proposal. So you get Jonathan Swift. Jonathan Swift, I hate Jonathan Swift yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't have enough food. Let's eat the kids that are overpopulated. Right. Like, that's absurd. And it's meant to point something out, but it's right. also... But it's very, but it's serious in its own way. I mean, I think... I mean, that's a little darker than this is, but... Right. Well, but this is pretty dark. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, these people who are uh, totally, you know, making their livings on this art world that they've created are going to be consumed by it and killed by it and it's and it is what's going to do them in. I mean, I think he's that I guess that was the thing that got me is like I feel like he is trying to make this big statement about the world of art and it goes a little too just it veers too much tonally Stupid. for like I, again <laughs> I totally I actually I totally get what you're saying and I I felt but I was like I didn't care I thought it was well, funny that he was trying to be serious. I couldn't take it seriously. Like, okay. I agree with you. I'm like, oh, well, art and selling out. Like, okay, but they're like, not winking at the audience enough for that. Say, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, felt, I think the fact that I think a buzzsaw tattoo yeah. I mean, drilled buzz, through a girl's neck is wink. Is a, that's, that's a wink. no less stupid than any of the other kills. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 like, say, I like that I, mural I, I will kill. Say. I thought that was cool looking. Yeah, I will say. And I have a question. I thought all the kills were I liked the monkeys. I liked... Jake Gyllenhaal's sexual fluidity as it was represented on film where we don't ask any questions. It's just he goes from a male-on-male homosexual relationship to the... Yeah, that was fine. I mean, I I thought that was kind of cool, but I didn't understand how that was... and And then that he is basically using all of his partners to help him because he has such a tantrum whenever she just is casual well, yeah, and does but then the she's also using all her partners as well. Right. Like, she clearly only used him, and she's clearly only oh, using this Oh, he's so usable. Guy. I mean, he's a use... I mean, it, I mean his, his self-inflated... Not even self-inflated. His industry-inflated yeah. uh, position allows anyone to take advantage of him because he's so hollow and vacuous. But... I mean, I think the point of every, literally every character and their decision making and all that kind of stuff is they're all clearly com- coming from different places. Some of them are low on the totem pole, some of them are as high in the food chain as you can get, and literally none of them give a shit about anybody but themselves. And everything they do, every relationship, is only to benefit themselves. Right. And so you're not supposed to like any of them because that's the kind of uh, phoniness, uh, to use like a Holden Caulfield kind of term, that this art world. Mm-hmm. Is that's all it is? Is yeah. phoniness? Yeah. It's phoniness of the way that we treat each other and the way that we fake relationships. It's phoniness as to like what really makes art valuable, what makes this art worth more than that art, who's good and who's not. It's all just conjecture right. and nonsense. And I mean, I mean, especially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I like all of what you're saying, and I even saw that right. Sort of critical. It wasn't lost on there. me. I just rejected. It, it just felt like there were two movies going on. There was the critical satire of the art world, and then there was the ridiculous Stupid supernatural horror, horror film. But that's I what think I love. Together, I so no, I, I understand how you see them going together. Right. It just never worked for me. It just felt and like I, felt I was like switching like gears when, when the I would Robo go into Hobo those. showed up for the second time. Yeah, loved that's it. when I just oh, completely that checked that. out of the movie. <laughs> Hobo and, or but I will say that Robo Hobo. Yeah, Tony Collette's kill was a great horror movie kill it was and, and she the kids was so stepping good. in the blood that whole part i thought oh, was man. hilarious pr- and, Rene you know, russo was good John, I mean, and i'll go with right. russo i think was all the actors actress. did a good job with the material yeah. i don't think there was yeah, see, i like w Diggs, the material, like, i'm gonna watch nightcrawler <laughs> because again. i've told you what i feel like my problem with the material i'm gonna I wash out material. what is what, what do we say i'm gonna wash the stinking filth of the, the failure terrible taste of failure i'm gonna by watching nightcrawler and maybe talking about unfortunately i feel like i'm washing the terrible taste of failure out of my mouth with a bad beer this is the david i from you, I, I sense our worst beer review ever coming. 
I, I'm not happy with this one. <laughs> I mean, you knew with the aroma that I wasn't happy with it, but yeah, I it's just, okay. It's, I, I don't think this turned out the way they intended. I don't know. I've had mosaic beers. Community has a mosaic IPA that they do. And it's, this is horrible. I don't know if they qualify some more. it as a double or what, but it's really good. I don't think it's horrible. So the uh, hops and grain, great, hops and grain out yeah. of Austin. They do a pale ale that has mosaic hops only. I think they do a great job mm-hmm. with it. So mosaic hops is when, doable. When used right, can make a great beer. I just wonder even if the brewmaster on this tasted the final right before canning and said, "This is exactly what I was going for." And well, Carlos, I get the impression was okay with it. You you like the flavor? It's okay. You know, just like when we were talking about my first home brew, it's drinkable. Uh, I mean, it is, but I would not. So this is a sixteen ounce can. Yeah, we've split it. I if I was drinking this whole sixteen ounce can myself, I think I'd Wouldn't be finish. four ounces in. I'd pour it. Yeah, I yeah, I, I can't say I'd drink a full pint of it or anything yeah. like that. But in the context of huh. what we're doing right now, right. I mean, it's fine. I I don't hate it. I I don't think that if I saw it somewhere, I'd buy it or yeah. order it or right. whatever. But uh, not terrible. Uh, not as good as this film. <laughs> <laughs> Good film. Well, we've had a. This has been a split episode. I mean, we we've really it's the had varied some, opinions uh, that make humanity. Well, that's it. right. I mean, I think it's uh, you know for 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 folks who are. Out I'm glad there, I found an audience. It just wasn't me. Yeah, lo- looking for something to watch on Netflix. I think. Uh, well, I think we've at least given people enough to chew on to to make yeah. some decisions. I think people yeah. want to see Velvet Buzzsaw to see where they land on what side of the table. I would hope, and High Flying Bird for that matter. Yeah, I am objectively correct. Watch the point. ring. I, I feel like we're sense. just uh, for maybe object. why maybe the reason I enjoyed both these films is I just feel like. Uh, Sooner or later, Netflix is going to run out of money, and we're not going to see any more stuff. Well, like there you this. go. Enjoy it while it's it lasts. Like, and, then, <laughs> I, like, and, and through that Velvet Buzzsaw, I kept thinking, this movie is so outrageous and silly, and I love that. And it's got all these stars in it because Netflix is just throwing money around. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic of absurd horror movies, go see Happy Death Day to You. Very good movie. Oh, okay. Does not take itself seriously. And uh, winks at the audience, which I feel you'll like, Joe, as uh, you mentioned. I love um, getting winked at. Until then. Uh, yeah, I wink don't. at me on Twitter. What's that handle? I don't. I hate, don't wink at me on Twitter. It's my least favorite thing in the world, uh, being <laughs> winked at. But you can find us on Twitter, Beer Movie Show. Tell us how much you love Velvet Buzz, Buzzsaw, because obviously you did, because it's a great movie. It was a Buzzsaw. <laughs> so uh, rename this <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, Instagram, be- at Beer and a Movie. Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX. Beer and a Movie Podcast.com etc etc uh itunes apple podcast app if you're listening to us there subscribe rate review and when you review like actually write a review don't just give us five stars which you're obviously going to do because the written reviews help us uh know what kind of content to create for everybody um but until then ethan's been working very hard on this one i'm still working hard and i just feel like i should tell people in case they don't make it through all of velvet buzzsaw you can get all the art out of your house but if you got a tattoo, you're screwed. <laughs> There's nothing you can do.